Today on Telling the Truth, Jill Briscoe shares how you can shake up your world for Christ. But first, in Stuart Briscoe's insightful six-message series, Thinking Clearly in a Messed-Up World, he helps you understand how God's Spirit works to transform you and renew your thoughts no matter what's going on around you. And through your support today, you can help others experience transformation in their lives as well. We'll say thanks for your gift by sending you a copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World. So call today to request your copy. 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Now, here's Jill Briscoe with her message, Setting Out to Shake the World. You know, in the early days of Christianity, they used to say about the Christians, these are the men and women that turned the world upside down. I believe they turned it the right side up. But you know what I mean. They shook their world, turned it on its head. And that's what we should be about, you and me, that love Jesus. We should be turning our world, wherever that is, upside down. We should be world shakers. We should be demanding that people think and examine the claims of Jesus Christ. So what are four of the main elements I see in this span of chapters that tell me how to do that? Do you want to be a world shaker? Paul was a world shaker. And the first thing that I saw was one little word, Christ. So what made him a world shaker, world changer? Christ was his life. Look in Philippians. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going to live, it's absolutely incredible because it's all about Christ. And if you kill me, it's going to be even better because there's more of Christ that I will know when I go through the front door and see him face to face. I love it in the German Bible, that verse in Philippians. Christ is my life. Death is my gain. Christ is my life. Death is my gain. But what does that mean? You know, we can run around saying, well, Christ is my life. What's it look like in our lives? I go back to chapter 9, where Paul sees the light, falls to the ground, hears the voice, and says, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus, who you are persecuting. Now, get up. Go to Damascus, and it will be told you what you must do. If you want to know what it means to say, Christ is my life, you have it there. He'll tell you what he wants you to do, and you do it. It's called obedience. Submitting to Christ as your Lord is all about doing what you're told. I thank God for my English heritage. I was raised to respect authority and do what I was told, so when I came to Christ, it was easy. I respected authority, and I was to do what I am told for the rest of my life. And that's what it means for Christ to be the pivotal point of my life. And you'll never change your world until that is settled. I heard the other day in some meeting I was in, somebody saying, you need to make Christ Lord. You can't make Christ Lord. He is Lord. The thing is whether you're going to submit to that or not, whether you're going to acknowledge that or not, whether you're going to obey him or not, and obey him right across your life. What you do with your spare time, what you do with your money, what you do with your vacations, what you do with your relationships. 
knowing Christ as Savior and submitting to him as Lord, for he is the Lord Jesus Savior, Christ, is all about living your life with one thing in mind. It's going to be all about Christ. Is your life all about Christ? Now, that is lived out in your relationships, in your job, in the sphere, the arena where God has placed you. Yes, of course. But when people look at you, do they know what you're about? I had somebody ask me on a plane not too long ago, what do you do? And I took a deep breath and said, I'm all about Christ. And they disappeared behind their newspaper. (laughs) Only for a minute. And then the man came out and said, what on earth do you mean? What on earth do you mean? And I said, well, I'll tell you what on earth I mean. (laughs) And basically, I tried to then use the language that he would understand. Christ is my life. Death is my gain. You know, you can't beat a person like that. Hamlet wandered around the battlements in Shakespeare's play. And he was a pretty miserable character. He was facing the battle of his life and probably death. And he said, to be or not to be, that is the question. For me to live is horrible. And if I die, it's going to be even worse. Look at the Christian. Christ, my life. If I die, it's going to be even better because there'll be more of Christ. The other side of the front door. So Christ must be the pivotal point of your life. And that means submitting to the lordship of Christ in your life. Secondly, if you're going to be a world shaker, you have to have a sense of calling. What's that? Well, let's change the word. Chosenness helps me a little better to explain it to you. In Acts 22:14, Paul says, giving his testimony before the mob that's trying to lynch him, the God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and see the righteous one, hear the words from his mouth, and be witnesses to all men. Four things. What does it mean to be chosen? It means you know his will. Number two, you see the righteous one. Number three, you hear the words from his mouth. Number four, you're going to be witnesses to all men. Jew, Greek, bond, free, man, woman. That's it. You say, well, that's the Apostle Paul. That's the mighty, gifted leader of the church. No, that's everybody. We are chosen for all those things. Yes, we are. It's a wonderful thing to be chosen for anything. I remember being chosen for my tennis team at college, standing with all those girls who'd had to play in front of the judges and they were going to hand pick who was going to be on the first team for our college. And I thought, I'll never make it. Didn't play a very good game. And then I heard my name. I was chosen for the team. What a privilege. I remember being chosen by my husband. As a friend of ours said to her husband under a little Barney, as we say in England, the argument they were having, Harry Green, you had all the world to choose from and you chose me, now be satisfied. (laughs) (laughs) Stuart had all the world to choose from and he chose me. What a privilege. What a privilege. Chosen to be married, to be a partner for life and ministry by godly man, wonderful man. I remember my first dance, being chosen to dance. In our day and age, we all got dressed up and the girls huddled on one side of the dance floor and the boys huddled on the other. And you wondered if you'd ever get chosen to dance. And you pretended it didn't matter, but it did. 
And I remember the catch of the evening, the guy over there, and I thought, well, when he walks across here to pick one of us to dance, when the music starts, it'll never be me. And I remember watching him come over that dance hall, and I thought, he's going to choose me. And he did. He said, shall we dance? Oh, that was a wonderful moment. Marvelous to be chosen, chosen to dance. And I remember lying in a hospital bed, Jesus Christ chose me to dance. said, shall we dance, Jill? I think that's why one of those contemporary choruses touches me. Teach me to dance to the beat of your heart. Teach me to move in the power of your spirit. Teach me to walk in the light of your presence. Teach me to dance to the beat of your heart. Teach me to love with your heart of compassion. Teach me to trust in the word of your promise. Teach me to hope in the day of your coming. Teach me to dance to the beat of your heart. Christ asked me to dance to the beat of my heart, and I was saved. Never got over it. Marvelous thing to be chosen. But chosen for what? I was chosen for a tennis team. What? Never to risk pick up a tennis racket? No. I was chosen to be married. Never to be a wife and mother? No. You're chosen for something. You know theologically you're chosen, you're called. But do you know what for? Do you know your assignment? Do you know what you should be doing? I have more Christians in America and the West say to me, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know what my gifts are. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. This and those four things. You have been chosen to know his will. So if you don't know what you're meant to be doing in the church of Jesus Christ and in his world, you need to find out. Come and see your elders, see your group leaders, see your youth pastor, whoever, and say, what am I supposed to be doing? Help me to find God's will for my life. Why is the purpose-driven life number one bestseller? Because that's what people don't know how to find. How do I find the purpose? I know there should be something I should be doing. What is my assignment? That's all wrapped up in chosenness. Knowing the will of God, how you fit into it, is the way to feeling you've got a very important part to play in life. To see the righteous one. What's that mean? How can you shake up your world for Christ? That's what Jill Briscoe is talking about on today's Telling the Truth. And she's coming right back with more. Your support helps Telling the Truth reach across the globe to share the love of God and message of Christ with people everywhere. So call today to request your copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World when you give to help more people experience life in Christ. 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. For many, our smartphones have become our social connection. But we want to help you make a spiritual connection with the Telling the Truth mobile app. You can listen to daily programs, engage in Bible reading plans, journal, and share your thoughts and prayers on the community wall. Get the Telling the Truth app through your app store or log on to tellingthetruth.org slash mobile app. Remember, you can also give to support Telling the Truth on our mobile app. Here's Jill Briscoe once again. How do I find the purpose? I know there should be something I should be doing. What is my assignment? That's all wrapped up in chosenness. Knowing the will of God, how you fit into it, is the way to feeling you've got a very important part to play in life. To see the righteous one. What's that mean? 
To see the righteous one, does it mean physically to see him with our eyes? Maybe once in a lifetime you might have a vision or a dream. All over the world in places where people cannot read or write. All over the world in the 1040 window. All over the world in places where the church is growing most, which is in the third developing world. People are having visions and dreams. It was so in the Acts of the Apostles. And I have a theory, and I might be right and I might be wrong, that where people are illiterate, that's the way God is speaking and has spoken. Stuart and I came back from the high Andes, and we were teaching Quechua Indian pastors and wives. And there is a revival in South America going on among the Indians who are sort of on the bottom of the totem pole in society. Very poor. But God has moved across the Indian, the Quechua Indians, specifically the Incas. They are the descendants of the Incas. And hundreds are coming to Christ without anybody around. People will wake up and they'll say, this man walked into my dreams and said, you need to go and hear about the book and somebody will explain it. And all sorts of wonderful, wonderful stories. So these Pastors are farmers. They couldn't possibly stop their work to be a pastor. And they have a 100, 200. One of them had 1,000 people in little groups because this revival is going on. So Stu and I get the privilege of working with a group who is training these pastors and wives. And we had 300 here and 300 there, high up in the Andes. Most incredible time. Nearly all of them were illiterate. Couldn't read or write. These are the leaders 16 hours of teaching, standing up in front of these people, and they can't read or write. Where would you begin? What would you teach? How would you teach? I started holding this up and saying, this is a Bible. It was translated twice, once into Indian, once into Spanish. Slow, laborious work. Half your material doubles your stress when you're in, doing with an interpreter. But what a stretch for me as a teacher. I was stretched more than I've ever been stretched in my life. How do you think God speaks to those people? God speaks through the word. That is the safest way to hear his voice. When Jesus was around, when Paul was there, women were illiterate. Mary, the mother of Jesus, would have been illiterate. Women were not trained in the synagogues. So how does God speak to illiterate people if they don't have this? Often they see the righteous one. Often they hear his word. How does he speak to us? Yes, maybe once in a lifetime. But don't go after that. You've got this. Famous man said once, He that does not read has no advantage over he that cannot read. Can you read? Have you ever been on your knees and thank God that you can read? Do you know the responsibility when you get to heaven? God's going to say, what do you do with that gift I gave you to be literate? God's heavenly gift. So what are you doing with it? If you want to know his will, you have to be a man or a woman or a boy or a girl at this. You have to hang your heart over it. You have to put your mind to it. You have to go to school. You have to go to personal Bible school. Sit on the steps of your soul in the deep place where nobody goes and talk to God and find out what he's saying to you. He speaks to you from the word. Do you know how to do that? Do you know how to be a detective? Do you know how to go and take this apart piece by piece so that you can then apply it to your heart and hear his word? Now, Paul was told, all of this is involved in my choosing you. 
If you're going to know my will, you're going to hear my voice one way or the other. He heard God directly. He saw God directly two or three times, as we'll see in these chapters, as he's testifying before different groups, before the Sanhedrin and before the mob. He says, I saw him. He appeared to me. Then he says, I heard him, and this is what he told me to do. But he also laced everything he did with Scripture. Paul had this much of the Bible. That was his Old Testament. He didn't have the New Testament. He wrote most of it later on, (laughs) but he didn't have it. And so Paul refers all the time to Scripture, and that's how God spoke to him, by applying the Scripture. I'll tell you a story. There was a man raised in poverty in Sydney. Arthur Stacy was his name. When he was a little kid, he was the lookout for his sister's brothel. Got into drugs, crime, thrown in prison before he was hardly into his teenage years. Came out when he was about 19 years of age. He was walking along, drunk. And somebody in a rescue mission, literally on the streets, looking for people like him, pulled him in to the meeting, a very famous Australian evangelist was preaching. And in the middle of his very pedantic preaching, because he would never, ever come away from his notes, this man, he suddenly stopped and put his Bible down and said, Eternity! Eternity! If only it could be written all over Sydney so that people would face up to the fact they have an eternal soul, etc., And Arthur Stacey was thoroughly, totally converted to Christ under that man's preaching that night. He walked out of the place, and he said, what can I do? And God said, I've chosen you to know my will, to hear my voice, and see my face. He was illiterate. He couldn't write his name. And he put his hand in his pocket. He bent down, and he wrote in copper plate words, and spelt it correctly, the word eternity, on the pavement. And God called him to do that for the rest of his life. 500,000 times in his life, he wrote the word eternity all over Sydney. (laughs) All over Sydney. People have been saved from all over the world, tourists. They come across it, and God's Spirit begins to say, think about eternity, and they find Christ. I found one of those men in another country. That's how he was saved, Arthur Stacy's word, eternity. Maybe you're not the Apostle Paul. Can you write? Can you talk? You're called. You're chosen to know his will, see him, hear him, and to witness to your world so that you can turn your world upside down. This is Telling the Truth, and you've just heard Jill Briscoe with her message, Setting Out to Shake Up the World. And now, here's Jill to answer a few questions about shaking up your world for Christ. Jill, can you explain what you mean when you say we need to hang our hearts over the Bible? Well, what I really mean is, hang your heart over the Bible. (laughs) What I really mean is, open your Bible and don't just bring your mind, but bring your heart. You certainly need to bring your mind. You need to find out what it says. And then you need to find out who was listening and what did the writer mean when he was saying it? What was his intent? And you can do that 
Don't need to be a theologian. Just read around it, see who is there, see who's standing in the shadows, etc., etc. So just do that, as I say. Uh, be a detective and figure all of that out. And then bring your heart. When you've done the mind work, bring your heart and say, now, what should this do to me? What difference should this make in my life? Should it move me? Should it make me make a decision about something? Because having sorted it out in my mind, then uh, I'm going to do something about it with my will. But your heart needs to be touched. You need to be moved. You need to say, Holy Spirit, move my heart to do what you want me to do. You say God speaks to us mainly through Scripture. Does he speak to us in other ways? Yes, he does. But it always makes me a little nervous to uh, tell people to listen to voices in their headspace. <laughs> I'm a very creative person, imaginative person, and I can imagine all sorts of things. And I'm a little nervous to say, well, that sounds like the voice of God. Uh, however, he does speak to us in our thoughts, absolutely. The devil spoke to Jesus in his thoughts, and it sounded scripture -y. He quoted scripture to Jesus. And so all sorts of people can be in our headspace speaking to us. Having said that, there is impressions in our mind. There are sort of words that come into our mind that can be from God and are from God sometimes. It's just safest to check it with Scripture. Does this thought that has come into my mind sound as if it could be in the Bible or does it sound a little off? Would, would God be saying this to me from what I know about God? Ask those sort of questions. And don't trust every voice that comes into your head. He also speaks through people. People can come and have a word from you, uh, more mature Christians or your parents if you're young. Uh, or your pastor or your Bible study leader, God can speak through people. So there's many, many ways that he can speak through, through uh, anything he likes. He can speak through a donkey. <laughs> he did in Scripture. He spoke through Balaam's ass. So not that he's going to do that with us. So any which way, uh, but the safest way is with your Bible open and say, Speak to me, Lord, from your word. Thanks so much, Jill. How are you to process the unnerving events happening all around you in today's world? Does the Bible offer you any hope, help, or guidance? The answer, of course, is yes. Discover how God's Spirit works in you to transform you and renew your thoughts no matter what's going on around you with Stuart Briscoe's powerful six-message series, Thinking Clearly in a Messed-Up World, drawing from Romans 12, Stuart discusses how you can respond with wisdom and courage in today's most distressing circumstances. You'll discover how the Spirit of God is ever faithful, giving you the grace to think clearly in a messed up world. We'll send you this series as thanks for your gift of support to help more people experience life through the resources and teachings of telling the truth. Generous friends like you, keep broadcasts like today's going often reaching places where the gospel hasn't yet made inroads. So if you've never given before, please consider a gift today to help keep God's word going out around the world. 
And remember to request your copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World when you call and give. 1-800-889-5388. 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online when you visit tellingthetruth.org. We're so glad you've joined us today. Be sure to join us next time on Telling the Truth for more biblical teaching from Stuart and Joel Briscoe.